So we're actually going to go ahead and take a look at Bound for Glory 2013. And we're also going to take a look at what um what I would consider to be some of the best booking as far as impact wrestling or for that matter <clears throat> professional wrestling in a whole looks like because the fact that sometimes pro wrestling can't really be seen as entertaining and compelling television simply because sometimes you have these things that happen but they don't exactly give you a reason as to why it's happening I understand that in the world of professional wrestling, the ultimate, pen penultimate prize, for that matter, is a wrestling championship. And for that matter, the, the wrestling championship that most people want is the coveted World Heavyweight Championship. And no matter whether you call it the World Heavyweight Championship, no matter whether you call it the World Title, the World Championship, or no matter whether you call it, in this case, the one that we will be looking at is the TNA Heavyweight Championship of the World. No matter how you paraphrase it or how you say it, and in one case or another, the WWE decided that it was just the wonderful idea to name it the the Universal Championship. Whenever Daniel Bryan had it, which wasn't for very long, he made it out of recyclable cardboard and he called it the Planet's Championship, I think. Or, yeah, something of that nature. Because he's vegan and that's funny. <clears throat> Moving on. Moving on from that, though, we get a lot of these, you know, like you understand that the title is what you're coveting. That's what you want. That's what you feel like that you need, you've earned, or you deserve. WWE this week has announced, however... That Brock Lesnar will be facing off against Roman Reigns at the 2021, I'm sorry, at the 2022, where am I, at the 2022 event, known only as SummerSlam, which will happen next month. Usually SummerSlam takes place in August, but I guess we're doing something else in August. Um, also, this is how it happened. So, Roman Reigns just got done defeating, um, or beating up, uh, Matt Riddle, I think it was. And the original plan, apparently, was for him to face off against Randy Orton. And the reason that they can't do that is because Randy Orton broke his back in several places. Not only that, but Orton has... 
in on many occasions, including one occasion whenever he was drunk and um, decided that it was a good idea to try to jump a, if I remember correctly, it was something to do with a motorcycle, tried to jump a motorcycle like Evil Knievel over like two cars or something. Yeah, and he broke his collarbone. And in one instance, he got thrown out of the ring, and he hit the ring, uh, the ring padding, even though there, I mean, there's little to no padding outside a wrestling ring, but what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to flatten yourself, like your stomach, and you're not supposed to tense up. It's kind of like hitting an elevator. If an elevator ever drops to the bottom floor, you need to remember surface area is key just don't tense up don't don't brace for impact even though that's what you want to do don't do that and what you want to do is you want to get to the like bottom of the elevator floor and then you just want to lay down maybe cover your head but don't brace for impact Anyway, Randy Orton forgot his wrestling training, and I guess what ended up happening was he ended up falling the wrong way, and he broke his collarbone. I'm not sure whether that was the first or the second time, but the collarbone is right there near your jugular vein, and it connects your your shoulder blade, I want to say, to your sternum. And that connects to your rib cage. And I'm not going to sit here and say, and the ass bone connects to the leg bone, and the leg bone connects to the shin bone. You know, like I can't. And the the thigh bone connects to the. Like, this is not anatomy class. And if you want to learn about that song, I'm not sure whether they go from head to toe or toe to head. But I guess it's not important in this case. I'm just got a severe case of ADHD. And I keep jumping from subject to subject for whatever reason. I'm sure there's a reason. I'm sure it's not a very good one. But nonetheless, it kind of bothers me that there's no story. Once again, no story whatsoever going into the um, SummerSlam event. The SummerSlam event has to do with brock lesnar facing off against roman reigns but my question is why why does brock lesnar get these ultimate championship opportunities eventually it's going to mean nothing you know like if they can't find a contender for for roman reigns it's not oh i know let's call up brock lesnar we've done this 47 times before and why not and this time the tables are turned before, whenever they faced off, it was always Roman who was the, the face and Brock who was the heel. Now, it, they've switched it around. Brock is the face and Roman is the heel, which is something that a lot of people think that they'll, they would have never seen whenever you think about it. But I'm going to go ahead and... It, my point is, is that that's doing it wrong. This entire time, WWE has been projecting themselves to be the king of sports entertainment. And that's exactly what they want to be. The king of sports entertainment. But there's little to no 
sports entertainment fans out there. Allow me to say that again. There's little to no sports entertainment fans out there. We are wrestling fans. What we want is competition, blood, sweat, and tears. We want passion. We want to see somebody get their ass kicked. And then stand up and shake that same man's hand. We desire passion. We love to see a good story come together. And if I have to go out and write my own fucking story... Just to see it come together, then that's what I'm going to do. But for now, I can't do that. I haven't, and I don't have the means to do that. Also, I feel like I should say this right now. Next door, they are probably going to throw hands because this family is 10 kinds of crazy, and I know what you're thinking. Oh, sweetie, everybody's family is crazy. Hurt, hurt, hurt. But you don't understand something, and you're... Like, I'm not trying to play this off as, oh, my family's crazy. No, they are literally... They are a nutcase, okay? They don't understand what normal is. They don't understand what... So... Whenever I was coming back from the store, I just bought two two liters of uh, soda. Almost said pop because, you know, I guess I'm southern like that. But anyway, almost bought two two liters of... I, I just got done buying... Not almost. I just got done buying two two liters of soda. And as I was coming back from the um, from the road up the steps, and then up the steps to my house, up the steps to my yard, and then up the steps to my house, I heard them um, yelling at each other. So someone might or might not come in through the door there and slam it and be cursing at either one, their phone, while they're talking on the phone to the person that they're cursing at, two, nobody, because, like I said... They're unhinged, um, but they might come through the door, you know, they might slam the door, they might start cursing at the air, or for that matter, they might take the fight from Carla's house to here because they have no respect to me, for me, um, and, you know, they might decide to go ahead and fight right in front of like, my room connects to the living room, for those of you who don't know, which is a majority, if not all of you, because practically no one who no one who listens to this podcast lives at my house, or for that matter, uh, has any conjunction with my house, has never been a part of it, or for that matter, has never even seen it. So my room connects to the living room, so as soon as you walk through those double doors... Double doors. Holy crap. As soon as you walk through those doors, you're going to practically be in three steps of my room. So if 
anyone were to shut a door, and I mean like shut a door like loudly, if you hear a background noise, try not to question it, because that's normal for them, but it's not normal for me. However, and also there's a new cat, um, like seven, maybe twelve feet away right now, and my cats keep staring it down and, and like, <sighs> at it, you know, they, they'll hiss at it, and then I'm like, stop doing that, stop doing that, you know, he's a little black cat, so there might be a cat fight tonight. And there might be, I don't know why everybody wants to fight. I don't understand it. Like, I talk about loving energy and stuff like that on my YouTube channel. It's more or less witchcraft stuff, which, speaking of witchcraft, speaking of, um, uh, pagan religions, or for that matter, um, Satanism, I'm going to be doing next week is a little bit different. And I'm going to do a, I'm going to talk about, rather, a creepy pasta or a uh, copy pasta, however you want to say it. It's not really creepy, you know, so a copy pasta, I know, Halloween, where's that, you know, like Halloween's not even here yet, but. I'm going to be doing a copy pasta next week. On next week's episode, I will be doing a witchcraft episode. And if you choose to tune in, then thank you so much for supporting me. But if you choose to skip next week, I, I probably won't talk about it. You know, like whenever I go back into wrestling, I probably won't be like, hey, what's going on? How come no one checked it out? You know, like ultimate sad face, man. And I don't understand cat logic, okay? Just because there's a new, small black cat who probably just wants something to eat, you know? Doesn't mean that you have to eyeball it all the time, every time that it walks by, you know, the street. And then just be like, you're in the wrong part of town, buddy. You know? Like, what? What? But anyway, we're 15 minutes in and I have yet to tell you what it is that we're going to be talking about. So I do apologize for that. All of the updates and therefore aforementioned um, clowns outside that are going to be fighting over who owns what house and whatever else. Um, it doesn't concern, for that matter, you didn't come here for that. So, in today's episode, as I stated before, we will be looking at the Bound for Glory 2013 event. AJ is seen as the underdog. They stack the deck against him. And he wants revenge from TNA owner Dixie Carter. Bully says, okay, so Bully Ray is your, he's your titular bad guy here. He's your heel, your antagonist. Because he's always there to antagonize somebody. He's got this beautiful, beautiful woman. He's got this, what he calls a clubhouse. Uh, this 
clubhouse full of men who are there and they've they've got his back and you know AJ Styles is outnumbered it gets to a point to where they put a $50,000 bounty on AJ Styles's head and I, I had to scratch my head whenever they showed the highlights to this before the match they'll show you like a little bit of like what's been happening the weeks before, which I'm glad that they do. Not just, hey, here's the wrestling match. Okay, satisfied yet? Okay, next match. Okay, hey, here's the wrestling match. Satisfied yet? Okay, next match. Okay, uh, next match. Participants for the next match are called to the ring right now. You know, I'm glad that they don't do that. I am so happy that they don't do that. Because if they did that, then I might have a problem. But anyway, what they do, what they do the best, is especially the titular bad guy, the heel, as I said before, um, Bully Ray. He is the ultimate bad guy of bad guys. Bully says, and this is practically his catchphrase, he should put it on a fucking t-shirt. Do you know who I am? I'm the guy who put wrestling, who put the wrestling world on hard times. And AJ, I'm going to do the same thing to you. I'm going to put you on hard times. He says, I'm going to put your wife, I'm going to put your kids, your parents, all on hard times. Right here I wrote grandparents too, but you know, you get the point. He's going to basically create a reality, is what Bully Ray is saying, where AJ Styles is on hard times because he's put the wrestling world on hard times. Now, the reason that he says that is because no matter who stepped to him, they've always left in a stretcher, whether it be Kurt Angle or whether it be uh, who we'll talk about later. We'll talk about Kurt Angle later, but Kurt Angle and Bully Ray was more than two or three months ago. Whether it be Jeff Hardy, whether it's anybody, anybody who's stepped to Bully Ray He's practically said, he's practically looked them in the eye, asked them to quit, and then whenever they refuse, he's broken them. And week after week after week, he would put people through tables, he would send them away in a stretcher. Or for that matter, sometimes you just wouldn't see them on TV after months and months and months, and then you'd wonder, I wonder what happened to that person. So that's why he said that he put the wrestling business on hard times. And then he practically said, AJ Styles, you're no different, kid. I try to do my best Bully bully Ray impression, but I don't know if it works or not. Because he's got this thick New York accent, and you can hear it, and it's beautiful. It's just beautiful. One thing that I hate about... This particular um, event is the fact that they tried to get all the other wrestling championship matches out of the way. Just straight out. Straight up. 
So if I was to organize this wrestling card, it would look a little bit different. <clears throat> okay, so um, first match that we have is the X Division Championship, which we'll talk about, just not right now. So I sort of did a little oopsie-daisy on my notes here, and I put um, Bad Influence. And then I put the V, and then I, put, I circled it, because that's what I used to signify that they're going to verse somebody. But bad influence comes out to the ring, and whenever they do, they weren't, they weren't fighting anyone. The only thing that they were doing was they were talking. And about three minutes goes by them talking whenever Eric... Eric Young comes out, and then he tries to warn them, tells them to run, but instead of them listening to Young, perky Eric Young, uh, they ended up getting their asses kicked by a man who was returning um, from like a three-month injury in Abyss. But anyway, um, right here, we got the X Division Championship match and then after uh christopher daniels and frankie kazarian of bad influence come out and then they complain about not being in the not being in the tag team championships match um we get the tag team championships match so had it been me i would have put i would have put it like this okay so i'm gonna try to do this Okay, um, I would have put Kurt Angle versus Bobby Roode first. I would have put EC3 versus, um, I never got this kid's name because he's just a jobber. That's all that he is. I would have put probably EC3 versus Phenomenon, um, First, actually, I would have put um, Sting versus Magnus second, Kurt Angle versus Bobby Roode third. Um, and then I would have put the X Division Championship next. And then I would have put uh, Chris Daniels and Frankie Kazarian segment next. And then the TNA Tag Team Championships match next. And then the uh, knockouts championship match next because unlike some people I actually value women's wrestling and I would have made them at least the co-main event before making AJ Styles and um, Bully Ray face off in the main event however if you weren't able to keep up with me it's okay I understand not all of us are passionate wrestling fans um, if you had a pen and a piece of paper and you were keeping up with me, then it should look like a, a natural wrestling card that flows just like a natural wrestling card. And every other match, even this X Division Championship match, which we'll talk to here in just a we'll talk about rather here in just a second, um, had these bullet points from Mike Tanay, except for the main event. The main event had no bullet points. It had none of Mike Tanay's. Like, take for instance, I didn't write any of them down, but I can pretty much remember what he said about uh, Kurt Angle versus Bobby Roode. 
he he talked extensively about how important it was for Bobby Roode to keep Kurt Angle on the ground, but at the same time, in a he was like, keep Kurt Angle on the ground, but don't let Kurt Angle keep you on the ground. You know, that's going to be Mike Tenay's, you know, like world advice and go get him, kid, because God forbid Mike Tenay's been in a wrestling match once or twice in his life. He's not. <clears throat> Why they got rid of Don West, I'll never know. But nonetheless, um, nonetheless, the X Division Championship match. It's an ultimate X match for the 32nd time in 11 years. In the 11 years of TNA wrestling. As Jeff Hardy faces off against Austin Aries, who faces off against Chris Sabin, who faces off against Samoa Joe, who faces off against the champion, Manic. Now, I had to do some uh, research to figure out who the fuck Manic was, because it just looked like a, a copy-paste of Suicide, but apparently Austin Aries stole the Suicide... Um, he stole the, um, not the trademark, but the outfit, and T.J. Perkins wasn't allowed to use Suicide or something like that. It was a very confusing story. So, instead, he just kind of rearranged the colors, and he changed the name and the entrance music so that he could keep the costume. And Manic. I was like, now who in the fuck is Manic? You know, who who is it? Who? 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 What am I, an owl? <clears throat> so, TJ Perkins is Manic. And they came up with a creative finish here. So Sabin came to the ring with this beautiful woman, and her name is Velvet Sky, and Velvet Sky's been wrestling for quite some time, but Sabin, okay, Sabin's won seven out of eleven, no, seventeen, oh, out of sixteen, okay, sixteen total. Uh, X matches won seven of them has Chris Sabin. Aries is undefeated in Ultimate X matches except for this one, so technically he's not undefeated, but up until this point, he was. You know, this is as they're making their entrances, I'm writing this down. Joe, what looks like Joe comes to the ring, right? And he does this um hand sign. Well, whatever he does, it looks like he's doing Penta Jr.'s hand sign that he does. I can't do it, but a friend of mine can do uh, Penta Jr.'s hand signal, and he even knows what it means. So, you know, I'm not in the loop as far as Lucha Wrestling goes. But he could have been doing the um, Main Event Mafia uh, hand sign because he is a member of the Main Event Mafia, who we'll talk about here in just a few minutes. So Saban mocks DX with a crotch chop, and then after uh, Saban tells Velvet Sky to get in the ring, and she does, unreluctantly, 
uh, she, uh, she does not want to, but he pushes her in there, into the ring, and off the distraction, wins the match. Because they're all distracted by this beautiful lady who's in the match. And, you know, I mean, they're all guys, essentially. But the only person that he had to distract, really, was Jeff Hardy, who was about to climb the ladder to win the Ultimate X match. In a traditional Ultimate X match, though, there is no ladder. There's just almost an X, and you have to basically climb that X. <clears throat> anyway, afterwards, uh, I gave it three out of five stars. Three and a half out of five stars. So, three whole stars, and then one half of a star. Chris Daniels, uh, and then I put V, as in, you know, he was going to face off against somebody, and then I put false alarm, segment, not a match, wrote down prematurely, so, you know, God forbid I don't write something down on a premature basis, and get shit wrong, TNA Tag Team Championship match as Gunner and James Storm go up, go up against the Bromance. Now you heard you heard me wrong. I did not say the Bromance. I had to double check and then triple check to make sure that I was pronouncing it right before I started recording. The Bro hyphen Mans. James Storm says he sees. A whole, he sees two bros, but whenever he looks in the mirror at him and Gunner, he sees two men. So basically, he's saying that they might be bros, but Gunner and James Storm are the only men. Ref not counting, uh, <clears throat> ref not counting, uh, corner counts or calling rope tags. So, whenever they're in the ring, or whenever they're in the corner, the referee is supposed to count because the guy who is in the corner doesn't have his hands up. You're supposed to count to five, and by the end of the five count, if they don't relent, you're supposed to disqualify the person who's hitting the person without their hands up. <clears throat> To allow someone to defend themselves. But I didn't put specifically who didn't have their hands up. Or for that matter who didn't. Oh the bromans by the way. Their names are Robbie and Jesse. It took me a minute to figure that out too. Um, so they just don't come out calling themselves the bromans. Um, I gave it 3 out of 5 stars. There was nothing really too exciting about this match. Um. <clears throat> too too exciting you know like it had some moments especially the main end of the match where for whatever reason Mike Tanay and Taz on commentary don't exactly know what to call like they don't acknowledge the fact that like I know what the move is called but apparently either they don't or they're not going to acknowledge it but um, Robbie and Jesse set up for the heart attack, which is a move 
commonly used by the Hart Foundation and was commonly used by Jim the Anvil Nile Hart and um his tag team partner and Well, I wouldn't know what the relationship is. His tag team partner, Bret Hart. So, I'll try to explain this, but Jim the Anvil Nile Hart had a daughter. Her name is Natalia. Natalia calls Bret Hart her uncle. So would that mean that Jim, the Anvil, Nile Hart, and either their their brother-in-law in one way or another, or their Bret Hart and Jim, the Anvil, Nile Hart are brothers, which I would highly doubt. Otherwise, that would have been brought up many, many more times. I want to say that they're brothers-in-law, brother-in-law in one fashion or another. Um, because that's what it sounds like. Jim the Anvil Nile Hart had a daughter, and her name is Natalia, and Natalia calls Brett her uncle, in case you missed it. So, But anyway, I give it three out of five stars. Uh, Kurt Angle gets in the ring, and they're they're practically like, "Come on, Kurt, come on out to the ring!" And you know they have a whole big ceremony that they show that happened Saturday or something like that, whatever. They're like, "Hey, Kurt, you know, welcome to the Hall of Fame." And he's being practical. And if you don't know. Years later, four years later, I think it was, this is 2013, so 14, 15, 16, 17, yeah. In 2017, Kurt Angle would be accepted into the Sports Hall of Fame, not just the TNA Hall of Fame. But he turns it down, claiming that he's not worthy. Okay, and then next we go to a segment between Auntie... Auntie D and EC3. Auntie D, of course, stands for Auntie Dixie Carter, and she's got her hands full with this whole AJ Styles situation, which we'll get to here in just a minute. But she practically tells her her nephew that, you know, not to worry about anything. She's handpicked his opponent for the night that, He's got nothing to worry about. It should be nothing but smooth sailing from here because she's just going to. She's got nothing but the best plan for this man. You know, bright future, bright stars, you know, loud champagne, loud weed. That's what I'm talking about, boys. It's it's my kind of party, you know? <clears throat> but she's practically telling him, and at the end of their conversation, she says, what is it that we say all the time? 
and then they say it together. The world needs us. We are Carters. So, if you don't know, their last name is Carter. Um, both of them, because auntie and nephew. Next, we go to the knockouts. The Knockout Women's Championship as ODB, that stands for Old Dirty Bitch, for those of you who aren't aware, I don't know if there should be a slur, like a beep, you know, or anything like that. I don't know who controls the airwaves here, whether it's the FCC or but who exactly... Okay, somebody might come through my door. But who exactly is it that puts the the sensors on anything? So if I say ODB, I might not get in trouble as far as monetizations or whatever goes. But if I say, oh, dirty bitch, you know, I don't know who exactly is going to, like, are they going to send me a letter? I don't know, you know. So... Versus Gail Kim. They say that Gail Kim is from Canada. It, it just... To me, she looks like she should be from Asia. Maybe it sounded racist, but you... You, you, you people... You, you got a lot of things to say. Versus Brooke Tessmacher. Who they just refer to as Brooke. They... Don't mention that she was a school teacher, that her last name was Miss Tessmacher. And for whatever reason, that she used to use that as her gimmick as well. She used to come out with the glasses to make her look smart, which, I mean, you have to be pretty smart to be in a wrestling match of this caliber. <clears throat> for whatever reason, though. I, I don't know why. The commentary is somewhere else. They're talking about things that they said that they talked about on the pre-show, which I didn't watch. But they're talking about monkey juice, peanut juice, and gas on commentary. So I don't know what the hell monkey juice is, but they're talking about ODB and how she's got monkey juice in her hair and... I mean, you could find all sorts of things in there. He's like, you could find all sorts of things in her hair. You you might be able to find peanut oil. Peanut oil in her hair, you know. And then there, these two are having a full-on conversation. And there's a fucking wrestling match happening right in front of you. And once in a while, they'll say, oh, Gail Kim with a nice stiff kick. And a beautiful suplex, you know. Stop talking about peanut oil and and go for something, maybe the competition that's in front of you, and focus on the task at hand. What do they pay you for? They don't pay you to sit there and talk about peanut oil. Hell, they barely, they barely pay me to sit here and talk about peanut oil. By the way, you should pay me to sit there. And talk about peanut oil. So, my donation links might be in other episodes. So, if you could, if you're feeling generous, or for that matter, if um, you just happen to have, let's say, a, a dollar or two laying around, 
because I ask people for, you know, hey, how can I take my podcast to the next level? What do I got to do in order to start getting monetized or whatever? And they're like, you should ask for donations. So that's what I'm doing. I'm going to ask for donations and I'm going to do it right here in the middle of my episode so that if you're skipping, you might miss something good. But anyway, what I'm going to go ahead and do now is I'm going to close my notebook and we're going to talk tomorrow. No, I'm joking. <clears throat> Knockouts women champion, Women's Championship, and they talk about practically anything but the match that's happening in front of them. And the ref, here's, here's what really gets me. You remember how over here at the Tag Team Championships match, whenever the bromans Robbie and Jesse... Oh, by the way, his name is Robbie E., as if that makes a difference. Because years prior, there was another wrestler, and his name was Robbie D., and they were a part of the Bromans, but I don't know what happened to him. Either that or he just changed his name to Jesse. Reminds me of that Disney, cha Disney Channel show. Hey, Jesse. Hey, Jesse. Yeah, it feels like a party every day. <laughs> oh, God damn it. We like to have fun here. Shut up. Okay. Uh, knockouts championship match and the referee. So tell me in a, in a contest where three people are competing and none of them are cheating, but you're supposed to count. Usually I would understand in a one-on-one -on -one contest. Okay. But not in a triple threat situation. You see, it doesn't make much sense for the referee to be counting, regardless of the fact of how, I'm going to put this in air quotes, illegal, because it's it's not illegal as though that you're going to go to jail for it, but it's illegal in this manner if it were a one-on-one -on -one situation. It would be illegal, but in this case it's not. But still the referee goes outside and decides to count while um, Gail Kim has the, what they call the turnbuckle figure four on ODB. And the referee is counting to five, but why? Whenever, whenever a competitor grabs the ropes, or for that matter, whenever a competitor uh, grabs... Um, the, the ropes is kind of like a, hey, break this hold type of situation. But in a wrestling triple threat match, believe it or not, a rope break doesn't get you anywhere. Because in a triple threat match, you're not supposed to be able to grab the ropes and then relinquish the hold. So the same rule applies here as Gil Kim puts on that, that figure four turnbuckle, that turnbuckle figure four, rather, whenever she's going for that, um, they, the referee who's counting her is a dumbass because who's he going to disqualify? It wouldn't be fair to the third person in the match if Gil Kim were to be disqualified, um under a false pretense it wouldn't make sense for Gil Kim 
to get usually in a wrestling match, wrestling match setting. What ends up happening is let's say that Ric Flair was caught with brass knuckles and he was to hit me with them. Okay. In a, in this case would be a championship match. So let's say that Ric Flair was to hit me with the, um, brass knuckles in a one-on-one contest, just to give you some sort of idea of what it is that I'm rambling about, that it bothers me so much. I would win the match, but Flair would keep the championship because I didn't beat him. But in a triple threat contest, let's say it's me, my best friend, and Ric Flair. Let's say that my best friend hits Ric Flair with the brass knucks instead of Ric Flair hitting me this time. I wasn't involved in the decision whatsoever. I was over there tying my shoes, you know? And lo and behold, would you just say that my friend who beat Ric Flair with a pair of brass knuckles wins the match because... And Ric Flair keeps his championship. Yeah, that that really doesn't make much sense. Seeing as though that it wouldn't be fair to me. And for that matter, what do you do in the case of a Fatal 4-Way match? What do you do in the case of a six-pack challenge? For that matter, what would you do in the case of a cage match with four people in it? Where someone was doing something inherently illegal in the confines of a steel cage wrestling match. See, no matter where you put yourself, it doesn't make sense. So the referee outside, and I know that I'm talking about this for way too long, but it bothers me that he would go outside to count a hold that doesn't apply. Like he could have been focusing on wrestler number three because the other two were right there doing things. But and for some reason, Gail Kim felt threatened and she let go. What's going to happen? Is he actually going to disqualify you, Gil? I, I swear, man. Impact Wrestling needs to get their shit together. Because on the first time that I looked at Impact Wrestling, um, a referee kicked a fucking bottom rope, or a top rope, rather, while a, a um, wrestler was grabbing it and you're not supposed to kick it you dumbass you're supposed to count to five if he does not relinquish the rope by the count of five you disqualify him i know how to do your job better than you do and i've never stepped foot inside of a wrestling ring unless of course it was for the storyline in which case i guess it makes sense but in this case there would be no story in the last case, however, there would be a story. He would come out the very next day or the very next week, and then he would say, Boo-hoo-hoo, I lost my championship because the referee kicked the rope out from under me. And referee, I want you fired. Or something like that. And the referee is a wrestler in training, so of course he's going to be like, You fight me, and if you win, then... I'm out of this company, or something like that. You know, just come up with an interesting story. But anyway, Lady Tapa ends up interfering. I don't know who the hell that is. Lady Tapa uh, ends up interfering, and for whatever reason, 
and on commentary, they talk about it like it was it was something to cause a disqualification for. Once again, you cannot disqualify somebody when they had no interaction whatsoever with the person that, like, it makes no sense. ODB tries to chafe, tries to chafe, tries to chase Lady Tapa uh, out of the, um, like, the ring ramp so that she goes away because... ODB sees that she is a threat to her championship, and in doing so, ODB hits a wall, because Lady Tapa is bigger than ODB. Lady Tapa then picks up Brooke Adams, Miss Tessmacher, the person that they keep calling Brooke, not even, you know, acknowledging the fact that probably a year prior they were calling her Miss Tessmacher, um gets jackknife powerbombed and afterwards Gil Kim pins and Gil Kim wins. Afterwards Lady Tapa picks up Gil Kim and Gil Kim gives her a big hug and uh they do like the the, the twirling hug, spinning hug and I guess Gil Kim has aligned herself now with Lady Tapa as if to say hey Guess who just got a big new bodyguard? <clears throat> Nonetheless, I gave it two out of five stars. I'm starting to lose my voice. But that's great. That's just wonderful. Even before the main event, I'm starting to lose my voice. I don't know what it is with Impact Wrestling and their goddamn referees. Speaking of referees... While he was in the match for a certain wrestling match, while they were recapping what happened this week in, in Impact Wrestling, Earl Hebner got a chant very directed toward him. Hang on. Oh, you screwed Brett. So, you know, just reminding him that he screwed Brett. Not only that, but whenever they were chanting, you screwed Brett, Earl Hebner's head, his body language, he just kept shaking his head. It was so funny. Okay. Anyway, Kurt Angle versus... For a second there, I thought that that said Kurt Angle versus D-Bobby Roode. I was going to say, holy crap. D-Bobby Roode. Like, you know, he's black now. Oh my god, I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> shut up. Everybody just shut up. Okay. I didn't say nothing. Shut up. No, you shut up. I'm the only one talking. Well, you better shut up. Anyway, Kurt Angle versus D-Bobby Roode. I'm joking. Bobby Roode. I gave it five out of five stars. Beauty of a contest in technical wrestling's elite. Now, coming into this, I thought that it was just going to be a squash match because usually what they do is they'll show promos. They'll show like the the 
the hype package, you know, of everything leading up, how, how we got to this point, basically. How did we get to this wrestling match right here? And the story wasn't really there, you know. Um, the story was that Bobby Roode was being inducted into the Ego Hall of Fame. And in doing so, he probably very literally allowed his ego to get the better of him whenever he said that um, Kurt Angle is not worthy of a, Hall of, of a Hall of Fame induction. And Kurt Angle being in the Hall of Fame here in TNA Impact Wrestling absolutely makes me sick. And then, you know, he just goes on and on and just buries Kurt Angle almost. He says it pays to be rude. And in some cases, maybe, but I mean, whenever you're talking to your supervisor and your supervisor's talking to your store manager and then you're sitting there and you're like, hey, did you hear the one about the fat chick who almost didn't get to the to the bathroom? In time, yeah, she blew up, you know, like you you don't wanna give off the impression that it 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 always pays to be rude, and especially i i don't I don't know, you know, but this was a beauty of a contest, honestly, it was five out of five stars, and so I had a hard time basically. Putting this one next to my 5 out of 5 star ranked matches. But at the same time I also... I struggled with giving this a 5 out of 5 stars. Because it's not perfect by any means. But the story is what... It practically printed its own money. Whenever you look at this as a wrestling match, as a wrestling competition, I wasn't expecting Robert Roode, Bobby Roode, I wasn't expecting him to be able to out-wrestle Kurt Angle. One of the things that Mike Tanay said, as I said earlier, was the fact that he wanted... I don't know why Mike Tanay does this, but before the match, he gave some key points to victory. And if Robert Roode wanted to win this match... What did he have to do? Well, it was very simple. You see, Robert Roode had to, according to Mike Tanay, keep Kurt Angle on the ground, but don't let Kurt Angle keep you on the ground. And, <laughs> and that's practically what Bobby Roode did this entire time. Um, he allowed Kurt Angle to gas himself out, and at every point, I was on the edge of my seat, biting my nails. I mean, taking deep breaths, one after another after another, sitting there asking myself, what's it going to take in order for Robert Roode to just give up? Because I thought for sure that this was the Kurt Angle story. That Kurt Angle was going to win and then, you know, end up getting into the Hall of Fame, which, by the way, the ceremony had already happened, so... This is just more storyboard writing, but it's consistency, and consistency is beautiful, regardless of the fact that Kurt Angle came out earlier in the night and said, you know, hey, guys, I don't think that I'm worthy of being in the Hall of Fame. 
That's like G.I. Joe saying he's not a real American hero, you know? But here's what I wrote down, basically, and I was thinking to myself, how do I put this match into perspective for my viewers to understand, for my listeners, rather, to understand what it was that I was feeling? I don't know who trained Robert Roode. He's not this high flyer who goes top rope for the most entertaining wrestling, but this tops any high flying contest. If you've never seen two people grapple and chain wrestling at its finest, and if that doesn't for some reason doesn't entertain you, doesn't make you go, oh, wow, did you see what he did there? Oh, my God. Like It's like watching fireworks. It's hypnotic. It's the most beautiful thing you'll ever see in your entire life. If you open your eyes, put down your... your... Oh, this is fake. It's art. You need to understand that. It's an art form. I gave it 5 out of 5 stars. And it's a passionate performance from both men. But then you get EC3 versus Nerve Vernum. <laughs> And you remember what I said earlier about, hey, Aunt D. Of course, he was talking to his Aunt Dixie. And then he asks her, so what's going to happen tonight? And EC3, Ethan Carter III, jump on the bandwagon now while you can, is making his debut as Ethan Carter III. And for that matter, for whatever reason, Nerve Vernum didn't stand a snowball's chance in hell to begin with. This guy looks like a fucking toothpick. He looks like a penguin if a penguin had anorexia. Like, he's so small. He's so tiny. He's like... I'm, I'm like a water bottle if you were if you was to suck all the air out of it you know he's so small I don't know how else to put it you know um I give it two out of five stars and I'm gonna move on you get this ramble promo from Magnus and Magnus comes out they're like hey Ma uh, Magnus could we get your thoughts on your next match and then he's like uh TNA is all about opportunities and, um, oh crap, are we live? Opportunities comes knocking on your door and I'm going to answer that door. And you see Sting, whenever I'm in the ring with you, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to answer that door because when life gives you lemons, you know, he's making a lot of cliches and he's, he's really not, not tying off stories. 
it, it, let me give you an example. Let me give you an example of tying all stories. Now, I thought at the by the beginning of his promo that he was rambling, but he actually wasn't. He brought it full circle. Okay, whatever it was that Magnus said, I thought for sure that that's. I don't know why, but I thought that Bully Ray was going to do a ramble promo because I heard the first two or three things that he said, but he did it. Here's what he said. I smell the fear. Here, here's, here's what he said. He says, fear. Eureka fear, AJ. Do you know... Do you know where you are? You're in the jungle. You're gonna die. He ends up saying, you know, AJ, you remind me of a famous song. One of my favorite songs, actually. He says, you remind me of the lyrics to it. He says, do you know where you are? You're in the jungle. You're gonna die. And then he ends up saying, I don't want you dead AJ, I don't want you to die. He says, I want the exact opposite. I want you to get in your pickup truck, drive back to Gainesville, Georgia, look your wife and your kids in the eyes. And when your kid looks at you and your little AJ Styles eyes, and then he says, and then he asks you what went, what went wrong, what happened? You can tell him that I did it to you. Something something along the lines of that. I'm just paraphrasing. And whenever I wrote this down, I was paraphrasing because I was kind of in a hurry to get it done. And then he goes on to say, do you know who I am? I'm Bully Ray. And then he goes on to say, welcome to the jungle. Welcome to my jungle. So basically, that's how you do a wrestling promo. You bring it full circle. You start on a topic, and then you bring it full circle. You talk about it for two or three minutes, four or five minutes, six or seven minutes, eight or ten minutes. But then you bring it back around to that original what it was that you said. Now, what was it that I said so many weeks ago? For those of you who have been paying attention, you just get this ramble promo from Magnus, and so many weeks ago, I did say this. There is no consistency whenever it comes to most wrestling programs. No long-term booking plans, if you will. <clears throat> long-term booking seems to fall at the wayside because, as I mentioned at the start of this program, already we have our SummerSlam main event for, I think it's next month, uh, the end of next month. And there's been no story to it other than, hey, I'm Brock Lesnar. Hi, how are you? Uh, welcome back, Brock. We just signed you to a $65 million deal contract. How how you doing? 
oh, I'm doing great. Can I can I start making that Undertaker money? Can you pay me like six times more than what I'm making right now? Yeah, that's great. Nice to meet you, Brock. How are you? Oh, yeah, I'm doing great. Except this time I'm the good guy, right? Yeah, this time you're the good guy. Yeah. How are you, Roman? You liking those titles? Liking those championships? That's good. That's awesome. So you two need to sit down and think of a way to end um, that SummerSlam match. You know, the one that we've done 75 fucking times. Except this time there's practically no story. It's just going to be um, us coming out, uh, you, one of you two or both of you two coming out every week saying, at SummerSlam, I'm going to win. At SummerSlam, I'm going to win. Yes, I understand that you're trying to sell pay-per-view tickets, but I have a question. You know, and then I'm in class, and then I raise my hand, and then I'm like, why are you fighting? And then you write it on the board that, you know, championships are ultimately the goal in professional wrestling, and then I raise my hand again, and then I say, yes, but why? (laughs) And then you just quit your teaching job because I stumped you. Because all the degrees in the world, all the fancy fucking degrees in the world can't tell you that long-term booking goals being met is something that you failed at your first term of college. So, here's a long-term booking tip for you. They took 12 men over the course of three fucking months to get to this match that we're about to talk about. Okay, to get to the next match that we're about to talk about, not this match. Shut up. Everybody just shut up. Over the course of three months to get to the Bound for Glory series, WWE, take notes. Sting versus Magnus, and I give it two and a half out of five stars. Um, both of them are representing the main event. Um, Magnus wants to know why he keeps losing, and he sounds very sore about it. He sounds very mad. Um, it's a one-sided story uh, of respect, and it's told through the eyes of Sting. And by the way, I wrote that down, a one-sided story through the eyes of Sting, before the, before the match ha- um, had concluded. And I was right. Because the minute that Magnus beats Sting, he doesn't want to shake his hand. (laughs) So I guess you could say that he turns heel. But they're both in the same group. And the group that they're in is a... I guess it's supposed to be a face. A face group, you know? Like, they're not bad guys. The main event mafia, they're not like bad guys it's it's not important i guess it's so as i said before bully ray comes out he he says that aj styles reeks of fear and that aj styles is going to learn what fear is even throughout the match throughout the fucking match man i gave this match two ratings by the way one for the storytelling and one for the pure adulterated wrestling that we got uh by the way it's no disqualification and it's no count out and referee earl hebner understands that 
Wow. Can can we get a, a round of applause? Like a clap? Like a slow clap for fucking one referee who finally understands that you're not to count anything and you're not to jerk any weapons out of the the superstar's hands. I mean you can you can tell him, hey, don't do that. Don't hit him with the with a hammer. Please hey, hey, don't do that. But don't interfere in any way whatsoever. You know, if you see which which brings up another question. Why Whenever he had the hammer in his hand. So Bully Ray. Early early in the match. Like seven minutes into the match. Pulls this hammer. That he gets practically out of his ass. But I guess he kept it in his jacket pocket. Or maybe. Where his nuts are. But he pulls this hammer. Practically out of nowhere. Because he didn't have it at the start of the. Uh, wrestling match and for that matter Earl Hibner didn't check him for weapons because it's no disqualification so who the fuck cares if he has brass knuckles on him or anything else but anyway he pulls this hammer practically out of his ass uh, shades of Survivor Series um, that we've talked about before 2001 maybe he pulls this hammer out of his ass and afterwards he goes to hit deck AJ Styles with it and whenever he does um like he's trying to hide visibly trying to hide the hammer from referee Earl Hebner why it's no disqualification you can keep the hammer you can keep the hammer out and about you know like nobody would care it's no disqualification there's no rule saying that you can't have the hammer it's not like the main crutch of the match is hey bully ray you're not allowed to use that hammer there you go bully ray is not allowed to use the hammer in the next match that they have so if you'll remember we talked about this per we've talked about this these two before um in the slammiversary 2011 uh paper pay-per-view episode that i did called um impact wrestling makes even less sense now than what it did before <laughs> Which which was funny, by the way. It's a, a fitting episode title, if you ask me. Seeing as though that I might have to name this one something funky too. <clears throat> but the the fact that he made it so personal, Bully Ray did. So he gets him in the corner around the. 15 minute mark of this match and then he says if you keep fighting I will take care of your wife and kids for you and then AJ Styles just goes ham on this boy he starts beating his ass and afterwards the around the third quarter of the match maybe 17 18 minutes in um Bully Ray lays AJ Styles out on a table well AJ practically does it to himself whenever he decides it's a good idea to jump out of the ring and in through a table. And then afterwards, he um, lays himself out through a table because Bully Ray moves. And then after Bully moves, he um, starts to... So if you don't know, a wrestling ring is comprised of a whole bunch of boards. 
under some padding. So Bully Ray removes the padding from the from the ring to wherever all you can see is nothing more than the plywood, the boards, which is the foundation of the wrestling ring. And he plans on hurting AJ Styles, basically. And then owner Dixie Carter comes out, and then she admonishes the referee, telling him, hey, don't count that. Don't count that three count, or else you're fired. And then owner Dixie Carter telling everybody, hey, you better stop. And here's another thing, too. The referee... um looks at someone who's interfering in the match. So, like I said, Bully Ray is in a clubhouse known as the Aces and Eights. I didn't tell you the name of the group, but now you know it. The Aces and Eights, um, it's, it's very fitting that one of the names of the group is the Ace, which is like death in some, in some card games. Um, but anyway, Garrick Bischoff, uh, interferes and AJ Styles chases him up the ring ramp and the whole time like Garrick Bischoff doesn't even interfere either he doesn't interfere at all he's about to whenever he notices that the referee's looking at him once again this is no disqualification Garrick Bischoff can get in that ring and he can shove AJ Styles head up his own ass and there's not a goddamn thing that that referee can do as long as it's within the confines of a wrestling match and it's nothing illegal. As long as he doesn't pull his pants down and then just start, you know, butt-fucking him or something. Once again, I don't know who's monetizing this. So, if I get a letter from the FCC, it's your fault. You're the listener and it's your fault. But AJ catches up to him. Um, he puns a hammer out of... Oh yeah, he pulls a hammer out of his ass. Starts calling for Taz and the referee is distracted. Bully Ray doing the Hulk Hogan uh, taunt. Which I spelled taunt wrong, but that's not the point. Um, so, Bully Ray is just beating AJ Styles left and right. He's whipping this boy and I mean like just chopping him like Ric Flair would chop somebody speaking of Ric Flair haha <laughs> you remember whenever I said of course you do you remember whenever I said that AJ Styles had a $50,000 bounty put on him well we've seen that before you want to know who put a $50,000 bounty on their opponent's head. The first person to do that. Was. Harley Race. And I forget. Whenever he put a bounty on Ric Flair's head. And the second person to do that. Was Triple H. Whenever he put a bounty. On Batista's head. And this. In all my years of watching professional wrestling is only the third time that I've seen it done. But you want to know what's really funny about that? Because I do too. I want to know what's really funny. <laughs> Whenever 
AJ Styles is being hit in the head by by Bully Ray. He says, "Thank you, sir. May I have another?" But like I said, I gave this match um, two ratings. I gave it four out of four, four out of five stars rather for the storytelling, and four out of five stars for the professional wrestling. Thank you all so much for joining me this week, and hopefully you tune in next week whenever I decide to look at what will be either my first or my second um, witchcraft episode, but I'm pretty sure it's my first episode. Thank you all so much for joining me. I'm almost certain that I'm out of time for the month, so... This should be the last episode of June. Thank you all so much for joining me. Once again, I never did an intro, but my name is Mocha. Have a wonderful day.